Welcome in, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hope you guys are, uh, you guys enjoyed your week. I am Mr. Merka, the Beard of Truth, Jason Line. Thank you guys for coming in today. Yes, Dad's made it in for, for a live show. What a wonderful time it is. Everyone say hello to my father. Um, thank you, for everyone, for joining in today. If this is your first time here, my name is Mr. Merka, the Beard of Truth, Jason Line. Thank you guys for, for coming in. As I've said repeatedly already, I am your neighborhood-friendly libertarian talking about the politics and social issues that uh, around the world, as well as around here in the country, in order to bring it back to the individual to figure out what is right, what is what is the correct way of, of doing this, because certainly the the decades and centuries of this government have shown that they are not uh, for the betterment of the people. I want to give a big shout out and a thank you to Muddy Waters Media for allowing me to use the utilize their platform in order to espouse my views, my opinions, and my stances on uh, on the issues that have come up. Uh, tonight's show, we've got a, quite a few things to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about Uber, the boycott there with Uber. Um, is it just another boycott? What is it? And and we'll get into that whole spiel. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Cubs fan getting banned for life. Um, we'll also be talking... Now, I brought up on Monday night's show about the royal baby and just how ridiculous that is. Well... Uh, one of the BBC radio uh, hosts actually managed to make it uh, a newsworthy, if you will. So we got to talk about that. And then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Colorado shooting. And then last but not least, I, I'm, I'm going to open up the phone line for this. Uh, we're going to talk about the Georgia heartbeat bill, HR 481. So we'll talk about all of that. We got a lot to get through tonight. So uh, thank you guys if you guys have shared this out, helped uh, bring your friends, your family, and your close ones, even even the people that you don't like that that follow you. Um, thank you for bringing them on into the show tonight. If you guys haven't, I understand. I would I would never want to be associated with with one of those kind hearted, loving libertarians either. It's... But thank you guys who who've shown support. Uh, throughout the years and throughout the time. Thank you guys for being here tonight. So I want to open up. I want to open up with the BBC radio host. Um, there's a BBC radio host that got fired over a racist royal baby tweet. This comes from CNN Business. BBC radio host broadcaster Danny Baker has been fired after posting a racist, a racist tweet about the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Sussex's wow, uh, new baby. This was not a, a kind gesture. Um, he definitely is a radio host, is not a, a comedian by any means, but he tried to. And uh, welcome, welcome on Jacob. Um, posted a picture of a, a black and white photo of a man and a woman holding hands with a, a chimpanzee in a suit, suit and top hat with the caption, Royal Baby Leaves Hospital. Free Danny, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Free Danny. Um, so the joke, of course, in the age of 2019, uh, if you make jokes about involving infants, involving babies, involving royal babies, uh, this is not going to go over well. This is not something that's going to be beneficial for your future. Um it is what it is. Certainly, I'm a fan of, of freedom of speech. I'm a fan of, of, of... I may not be a fan of what's being said, but I'm a fan that people are able to say these things. And certainly, um, this is one of the things, th those things where he got some pushback and many pe people believe 
um, that it was rightfully so. And amid widespread accusations of racism, Baker deleted the tweet and said he was sorry that his gag had whipped some up. He claimed the connotations had not occurred to him because his mind is not diseased. If you don't see racism, if you're not somebody who uh, continually looks out there for racism, um, this may be logical for you, right? You may say something out of out of jest, out of fun, out of um, not out of racially uh, motivated message, and it can come off that way. And so we really don't know what Baker was thinking, how it should have gone. Who this dude? What's up, Mr. Pumpkin Spice Man? Welcome in. I haven't seen you in forever, Tom. He should have known better. You absolutely are right. You're absolutely right. He should have known better, uh, especially in 2019. A BBC spokesperson said that there was a serious error, error of judgment and goes against the values we as a station aim to embody. Danny's a brilliant broadcaster, but will no longer be presenting a weekly show with us. Um, Baker responded defiantly to the decision saying on Twitter that the calls for his dismissal were a masterclass in pompous uh, faux gravity and that the BBC literally threw me under the bus. Sometimes when you make when you make uh, decisions like that and a business goes, hey, you didn't portray us in a in a good way because we knew you were one of us and, and people found out that you were one of us, uh, they get rid of you. Well within their rights to do so, well within their their ownership of their company to do so. Saying that they threw him under the bus, everyone's got to find a way to be a victim, right? Everyone has to. And uh, I think this is certainly not one that uh, he was free of. While we're talking about racism, we of course have to go over to the Cubs. I'm sure many of you have seen. Hey, boo, looking good. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Um, hope you've been well. I'm, I'm excited to see your, your story on everything that's been going on. But nonetheless, Cubs fan is banned for life after flashing the white power sign behind a black reporter. So this, if you guys have never seen it, this is the white power. This is supposedly white power. So it's got the W and it's got the hole. Now, this is also something that at my work, at many places that I've worked where, where uh, adults, mostly men generally, um, we'll play a game where if you put this under your waist, you put this under your belt line, um, along your leg, and somebody looks through the hole of your fingers, uh, you get to punch them. Little immature horseplay games. Um, and 4chan has taken that and, and spun it up and made it to where everyone thinks that this is the white power symbol. And so a Cubs fan who displayed this has been banned for life. The Cubs have identified and banned a fan who flashed a white power hand gesture during the broadcast of Tuesday's night game against the Marlins. Team president Theo Epstein made the announcement on Wednesday. At a news conference, Epstein said that the team was able to determine the fan's name and said that he can never set foot inside Wrigley Field again. We've made clear how egregious and unacceptable that behavior has no place in our society in baseball and certainly no place for it in Wrigley Field. The person responsible for that gesture will never be welcomed back to Wrigley Field. I think it's important to have a strong response and send a message that is in place of inclusion. Let's tar and feather the man. Let's go after the man. If we're if we we need to make a, a, a message out of this individual. He he dared to put his hand to make the okay symbol, flip it downwards, and uh the man needs to be hung. Hung by his toenails whipped with a wet noodle, and just made a mockery out of, because that is unconscionable. 
It's just amazing. And and certainly this article comes from CBS News. Um, the origins of the gesture, which re- resembles the OK sign, can be traced back to the trolls on the internet message board 4chan. Internet or trolls on the internet message board who invented it as a hoax, according to the Anti-Defamation League, which tracks the activities of hate groups. It has since evolved into a symbol used by members of the alt-right and white supremacists. So, <laughs> 4chan was like, hey, this is racist. And then people were like, all right, we're going to start using this as a way of of mockery. And so now we've seen white supremacists, we've seen the alt-right use it, therefore we know what they're... they're titles are now i don't i i do not agree with white supremacy i do not agree with the all right but certainly there is a level of of their or there is within their actions within the way that they conduct themselves they do go out in order to try to stir up controversy in order to be seen because they themselves do not have a big following they themselves are such an insignificant uh portion of the population that they really have no movement they have no um no force behind them, and certainly no momentum. So they want to find any way possible in order to have some growth. And certainly using the mainstream media to denounce them constantly is one way for them to gain that attraction. Um, it's it's <laughs> If we look back at the Nazis back in the 1920s and 30s, this was something that they did, right? They would go out in their small numbers, they would go through the streets, and they'd be protesting. And they'd be riling up people, getting people upset, and then eventually people would would attack them. When they were attacked, they would play that they were the victim, and then they would try to manipulate the media in order to embolden their message, embolden what they were. Um, and, and here we have, despite the fact that they're a much smaller group, a much smaller portion of the population, they're doing the same exact thing as, as the Nazis did back then. And certainly the media who reports on history but never really seems to get it in the right light is falling victim to that same exact plan once again so sorry cubs fan played the joke you did the deed you did now you got to serve the time life sentence outside of wrigley field is baseball really all that fun anymore i know it's supposed to be america's sport but can we can we move it on to mma something more exciting something that you don't fall asleep on Something that, you know, you a little more healthy for people. You know how many people it's just not a good sport. Let's just let's just end it at that. It's a small ball, bad sport. Um so let's get rid of let's get rid of Wrigley Field and all the baseball fields. Um because nobody needs baseball. Sorry for you baseball fans. Um Nancy Pelosi's going after Mitch McConnell. The leader of the House is going after the leader of the Senate. Because Democrats and the way that they send their messaging, they say, look, we're doing this to grow the government and this is going to provide a benefit to you. Now, they fall victim to what – why am I forgetting that individual's name? I forgot his name. Um, They're falling victim to exactly what – uh, a philosopher back in the early 18s, early 1800s. Um, and the quote basically was that when they, when we oppose the government doing it, they say that we are not a fan of it being done at all. 
Now, when Mitch McConnell says um, he's going to um, provide opposition to House-passed bills and not allow these extreme, as he's uh, referred to them as, or as ridiculous bills to to really come up to the Senate for a vote, um, because there's no point in wasting the time at the Senate. What Nancy Pelosi is doing is she is saying, um, she is saying Senator Mitch McConnell says that he is the Grim Reaper. He wears that as a badge of honor that he is the grim reaper. He's going to kill any house legislation for the people saying he will bury our bills in the Senate graveyard effectively. That's not really a very hopeful political agenda, the grim reaper. So she, she's going out because if the Democrats aren't able or able to actually pass something through a, a democratically led house, then it should come up to the Senate for a vote, regardless of how ridiculous they are in nature, regardless of, the fact that President Trump would inherently, hopefully, um, veto these bills. They still want to push for them. They still want to have their day and to be able to say, look, we're doing something, Democrats, um, to their voter base. They want a virtue to them. They want to say, look, we are doing something. We're being stopped by those dirty, dirty Republicans. So make sure you guys show up in 2020. Make sure you show up in 2020 to those voting uh, booths and uh, tap the D and, and let's go on. Let's Let's move along. So she's she's playing good politics here, but the problem is, is that all of the things that are coming from the from the Democrats just is they are like most things that come from Republicans and Democrats. They're the feel good, right? Look at these good intentions that we have. We're coming in to to raise the minimum wage, and that's going to raise everyone's money. Now nobody's going to be in poverty. Everyone's going to have a good job, and and so life is going to be better. And then once those things are implemented, you see that people lose jobs. The, the, the desired outcome is never the result. And so these bills that have been passed through the House, they are exactly the same as the rest. They're, they're not – the intention is, is insignificant. And regardless of those intentions, the bills themselves would be bad. Republicans writing bills usually they're they're bad just as well. Now, if they're actually cutting at the at the strings of government, if they're removing government from in its involvements and its interactions within commerce, within the way that people um, deal with their lives day to day, it's a, it's a good thing. Such as what Denver passed. Um, if you guys missed that, Denver did pass the decriminalization of magic mushrooms. That's right. If you guys got, uh, there's a couple of conditions that magic mushrooms have shown to be helpful. And if, uh, if that's something that you guys are, are interested in, make sure you guys fly your way on down to, fly your way on down to Denver, where it is now decriminalized. So Denver, who was the, one of the first areas to push for, and uh, to push for recreational marijuana, their state, Colorado, picked up on that. So they, they didn't need to push anymore. Um, and now the first area, the first locality to le- or decriminalize uh, magic mushrooms, that's always a good thing, right? Whether it was Democrats or Republicans voting for that, that's a good thing um, because it got the government out of the way. It, it made less victims of the government. But these other bills, not so much. Um, and we'll get into, like I said, we'll get into the heartbeat bill from Georgia later on. I'll open up the phone lines, and I would hope that you guys would like to call in. Um, whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, it's it's not a matter of of us hating each other. It's a matter of us having a discussion about this because 
as pro-life as I am, I don't think that necessarily that bill was written in the best way. And certainly the implementation may not be the best. Um, but I want to I want to progress on in my progressive manners and in the ways that I'm always trying to change the, the, the fundamentals of the way our government is. We will progress on to talk about Uber. Now, over there at Uberland, over there in Liftland, there are people protesting. Now, if you remember the advertisements for Uber, it was, hey, man, you want to make some side money? Sign up for Uber. Drive around. Drive around on your schedule so whatever fits. If you're just going out there, you got some free time, you want to hop in your car, drive some people around, make some money, sign up for Uber today. Sounds like he they, they're not sitting there going, you want to make a living wage? You want to become a millionaire? We want to become a billionaire. Well, you don't have to write New York Times bestsellers to make it. All you got to do is drive for Uber. Now, what we have are Uber drivers um, around the country and uh, in some of the big cities are now coming out and boycotting. So this last Wednesday, drivers were planning to turn off their Uber and Lyft apps from noon to midnight. So 12 hours that they were going to shut down these apps and not provide driving. They weren't going to drive any customers around. They were encouraging customers to not not go on to this because they don't think that they're making enough of an income. They don't think that they're getting a big enough cut of, of the money being made here. Now, certainly, right? everybody believes that they are of more value, that they've put in more value to the company in which they work for. Um, but we are oftentimes... Um, short-sighted. We are often biased to our own comforts and our own desires to say, look, you know, I've got a lot of struggle in my life. I've got a lot of bills piling up. I've got a lot of things coming up in the future. I may have a kid coming along. I may have a big uh, vacation I'd like to save up for. And I think that I'm really deserving of, of a $2, $4, $5, $20 raise. I, I really think I'm performing in that way. And that's a discussion you can have with your employer, certainly. But your employer goes, yeah, I'm paying you quite a bit already. I don't, I, I don't see any appreciable um, growth that is has warranted such a such a increase. And when it comes to Uber, when it comes to these ride sharing platforms, here's the thing that we have to understand: when you have a lot of people that are capable, that are able to hop into the pool of being an employee for these things, it means that each and every one of these employees are worth a little less. That's going to suppress your wages. Also, when you have a lot of different competitors, they have to suppress the wages even more. There's so many different things. Yeah, I like it, Jacob. Uh, There's so many different aspects that come to this that play a part in order to really suppress um, the wages of those those companies. Now, certainly, if, if Lyft wants to go, all right, well, now all the Uber drivers are getting out. I'm going to increase my wages. Now, they're going to flood their market. They're going to flood their, their business with, with more employees. And then Uber is going to have to respond and, and yada, yada, yada. We'll continue on down that train. Eventually, they come to an equal equilibrium where they're both not raising their wages. And, and it may be right back where we are right now. It may be a couple of dollars higher, maybe a couple of dollars lower. But the thing is, is, is trying to hurt the business by doing these boycotts. You're only missing out on your own wages, and and this boycott was proven to not be very effective because people are still able to get rides from other people still utilizing the Uber, still utilizing Lyft, and and of course using Yellow Cab and all the other um, 
all the other different platforms and where people can get rides from other ways. Um, the drivers, what were they their demands? The drivers are asking for four things, according to organizers. A livable hourly wage. So that's right, boys and girls. I drove around for a couple hours. I need a living wage. I have, I have a $10,000 um, or I have a $12,000 a year mortgage. I have bills out the wazoo. I've got a really nice car. I've got, you know, all these things that not necessarily the business had a decision upon. I need to make that money and then some so I can live a livable wage. Livable wage is subjective. It changes from area to area. It's it's a ridiculous notion and it's it's so widely uh confusing because it's not specific anyway. Clearer policies on drivers' wages, tips and deactivations, Uber and long uh, lifts terms for getting fired. Um, you know, asking for clarification, I think that that's a good thing. A recognized independent organization that will re- represent ride hail workers. So they want to unionize and benefits including workers' compensation, retirement, health care, disability, and paid time off. So they not only want to make more money directly, so a larger paycheck coming to them day in and day out, or every two weeks in accordance with Uber. But they also want to have more benefits. Here's one of the things, right? For a while, the government had actually stopped the growth of wages. They had prevented businesses from providing more. And so that's actually how these businesses um, started to develop providing benefits, health insurance or life insurance and things like that, was because they weren't able to, to increase the wages. Now, what these people are demanding, what they're asking for, is not only to increase the cost of of having employees by increasing the wages, but also making the cost even even higher by demanding that they be uh, recipients of compensation, retirement, healthcare, disability, and paid time off. Ridiculous notions. Hey guys, do this on your free time whenever you want to. Sign up, ride for Uber, set your own schedule, do what you want. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to make it from from Thursday to Monday, so uh, Uber, go ahead and pay me. Thanks. Thanks. Really, not really a sound logic, logical argument, but we know what they say about uh, groups of people. They're not very bright. While we talk about not, bright, not very bright people in Uber, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez made the news with this. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who campaigned against Uber, campaigned against Lyft and said, look, we got we to gotta take care of the yellow cab. We got to take care of the cab companies because they're old school and all this new school technology and all these things. They're, they're just they're wiping out the heritage, the history. And we can't as a nation wipe out um, wipe out things such as that. So she campaigned on that. And she recently, with this boycott, she vocalized her support of it. And as a result, people looked into her finances, looked into the way her campaign finances was working. And she had spent well over $2,000 between her and her staffers in the first three months of this year. So in the first quarter of this year, she had spent $2,000. So she's spending an exorbitant amount of money, I would say, because it's a hell of a lot more than I spend on Uber. And yet, at the same time, is criticizing them and wants them to be boycotted seems as if there's some cognitive dissonance yeah i'm going to keep using it but capitalism's bad but uh if if you should write your own new york times bestseller and maybe then maybe then you can become a millionaire like me as bernie sanders all right so 
20 years, 20 years after the Columbine High School shooting, we had two individuals come along and shoot up the school again. One of the shooters, the only one that's been named thus far, the other one is a juvenile, so their name is protected by default. I'm not I'm not entirely sure I agree with that. I, I also don't share the name, so I I I disagree with the, the premise that we say this one's an adult and so we're gonna treat him as this. This one's a juvenile, so we're not gonna drop their name, even though they're probably gonna be tried as an adult. Um we can't drop their name. I th- I think that there's some 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 uh inconsistencies there. But nonetheless, one of the shooters, the one that was named would walk up and would whisper, like, get really close and kind of put his arm around you and whisper in your ear, don't come to school tomorrow. A former student of STEM School Highlands Ranch. Um, so one of the individuals is actually is a trans, is somebody who um, was born a female and is now identifying as a male. This raised controversies as well. This raised the issue of mental stability, of mental health, because if you look at the DSM-5 and you look at the history therein, uh, gender dysphoria, as it's called, uh, used to be a psychological disorder or a mental disorder, and now it is just me- merely a mental condition. Um, but there's there's so many more underlying issues when it comes to gender dysphoria it's not just it's not that all of them are are violent it's not there's a a fundamental issue when you don't feel like you're at home in your own body and certainly mental illness mental issue mental condition whatever you want to call it, it it there is a fundamental issue there I don't think that necessarily this is setting a trend that um, what we've seen from from some of our conservative or right wing friends um, is that this just shows that that people who have gender dysphoria are entirely incapable of being acceptable in society, albeit this is a very, very small portion of of the voices that I've seen. Um, But it, it, it really... It speaks to the individual, not to not to the class, not to the group, not to the collective. Here, um, it's this entire situation has been, of course, unnerving for many a people. But after after the event, of course, of course, there was a gun control rally. The week or in the following week and during this time there were hundreds of survivors of colorado shooting walkout on that walked out on the gun control speakers and started a damning chant after about 30 minutes of this of this um of this rally of this gun control speech hundreds of students walked out in angers and tears and they shouted this is not for us political stunt and we are not we are people not a statement it's it's refreshing to see um these people really say look don't use us as a as a political pawn don't use us as a discussion point in order to say look at these look at these people that were were traumatized and so therefore we have to go after the guns we've seen this time and time again where regardless of whoever was committing these regardless of of 
how many red flags were raised, how many issues were there, how often the law enforcement was warned, teachers were warned, people, uh, the authorities, if you will, were warned that um, atrocities still happen. And for people to sit there and to blame the inanimate object is... It's finally becoming more mainstream that this is just a hollow remark. And especially after the time of what's going on down there in Venezuela, uh, I really think that that's becoming emboldened, that this is nothing but hollow remarks and no one should be taking these lines seriously. They are just being regurgitated um, lies, effectively. And, And the basis for this, right, is people say, look, we just need one more law. These schools are gun-free zones. This nation is a killing-free zone, with some exceptions to that rule. Um, this nation is a nation where you're not allowed to point a weapon at somebody unless in self-defense or the defense of others. There are a litany of rules and laws, regulations, preventing Situations like this from happening, from situations like any of the shootings that have happened in recent past, one more law is not going to prevent this. The problem is, the problem when you get down to the core of it, is that criminals don't abide by the law. And when they don't abide by the law, only those who abide by it are dis- are put at a disadvantage. So I, I've been one of those people saying, look, if if... Your life is important. You should be allowed to carry. If your life is important, you should be able to defend yourself. And um, we've seen this push. We've seen this from the gun advocates where schools get more security, where we allow for officers or for um, third-party organizations to come in and provide security to be able to be armed, post it outside, and then this will inherently deter people from coming to those schools, much like what we saw with the pole shooter. He went to multiple nightclubs to find one that didn't have armed security because these people who want to commit atrocities want to also survive. They want to have the best opportunity to either survive or to commit as much carnage as possible. And so it's all plain as day out there. It's all plain as day. So I want to get into, and and I apologize, this is going to be a little bit of a quick show. I should have probably dropped that from you guys early on. But I want to get into the heartbeat bill. Now, for those of you guys who have not followed that or seen that, the heartbeat bill is actually is a bill that was passed down in Georgia. It was just signed into law by the governor where you have Hollywood feigning support and virtue signaling and saying that they will not, they will not under any circumstances record ex-publishers will not be or producers will not be recording their movies in Georgia any longer Um, and you have people saying look you're destroying the rights of the women because reproductive rights and I have a a, a pretty good tweet on that so you guys want to follow me over there at Twitter Um, you can follow me at Mr. Bearded Truth I have a tweet on that from I believe it was yesterday about what reproductive rights really means Um, and you have a lot of people feigning support But this has, once again, sparked up the conversation for the pro-life, pro-choice movement. Um, Where where do you fall on the line? 
Do you think that you have a good sound reason that may be different from what most of us have heard? Um, feel free to call in. The phone number is 802-671-5328. 802-671-5328. Feel free to call in. Drop it on us. Let, I want to hear it. But um, as for this bill, as for this bill, it is, it's only a 10-page bill. Um, and it's, it basically, the way that it works is at the point of when a heartbeat is detectable, um, heartbeat of the unborn fetus, which is approximately four to six weeks. Um, it, at that very moment, at that very point in time, from then on, it would be illegal in Georgia in order to perform an abortion. Now, they do have some exceptions here, which um, many people have said that there's not. So on line 97, medical emergency means a condition in which an abortion is necessary in order to prevent the death of the pregnant woman or the substantial and irreversible physical impairment of major bodily function of the pregnant woman. No such greater risk shall be deemed to exist if it is based on a diagnosis or claim of a mental or emotional condition of the pregnant woman or that the pregnant woman will purposefully engage in conduct which she, in which she attends to result in her death or the substantial and irreversible physical impairment of a major bodily function. So if a woman is depressed and, and suicidal, that would be a means or, or acceptable reason for medical emergency. We should expect that these exceptions to be utilized more often in order to um, enable them to have, quote-unquote, legal abortions. But... It, it's a it's it's a huge topic nonetheless, and and I've seen a lot of people pushing out some what I would refer to as pretty ridiculous talking points. Um, there are people out there. There's there's been a couple viral tweets in the pro-choice movement. Um, I've got both of those saved on my phone. Let me pull that up real quick. I apologize for not having that prepped and ready to go for you guys. Um, but here was one. You know what? Vasectomies are reversible. Why not just make them all men get them? And if they're truly ready to be a father, they can undo them. What's that? You have problems with this? Yes, you're right. It's wrong to regulate men's body like that. So this was a tweet from everywhere ist. Um, Geraldine. This is an actual verified person on Twitter. Um, so let's get through this. You know what? Vasectomies are reversible. Why not just make all men get them? So the problem with this, right? There's there's a, a big fundamental issue where people are saying because the government is stepping in the way and preventing people from killing another innocent defenseless being, um, then that means that we should be advocating for the government to actually go inside of the body of of another individual of half of the population, snip them, um, snip them of their ability to uh, reproduce. And when it comes to these reversals, now these reversals, vasectomy reversals, they're often said that they're, you know, they're all reversible, um, only about 30 to 90%. Now that's a wide range, but I want, I, if we go to the more, um, to the more conservative side, so the 90%, 90 percent, ninety percent of the reversals work you are now taking away the rights and the ability for a man of 10 percent of the population to be able to reproduce because you felt it necessary for the government to come in and to intrude and to impede upon the individuals uh, the men in this country and prevent them from being able to reproduce 
There's a huge burden there. There's a huge burden there, of course. And so there's there's a major fundamental issue there. Now, if we go to the other side, right, we go to the more extreme, 70% of the population. Now, we are drastically affecting the population at that point, um, all involuntarily. Now, also, I want to point out that there is not a single law that is ever passed that you are not willing, that the state is not willing to defend with um, the laws up to and including taking the lives of those who break them, right? You go speeding, speeding down the road, and you you want to get your ticket, and you refuse to take your ticket, and you drive off, The you have a risk. There is a chance that the officers, whoever is chasing you, may result in the, the ending of your life over a speeding ticket. Well, something as, non, uh, as a small issue as that. I'm not saying large speeding. I'm saying just a couple miles per hour over the speed limit. Um, something like that can take the life of somebody. Certainly, right, somebody who would refuse, and I would be one of them, I would refuse to have a vasectomy um, on principle. The government would then force me in some capacity in order to force me to have a vasectomy. If I resist, same treatment as if you resist the speeding ticket. Same same resistance if you resist to pay your taxes. The state can and will, some events, take your life. Not, not, a, not a good way of looking at this, though, right? But, but nonetheless, you have to virtue signal and you have to say, look, the reproductive rights of women, I put that in quotes intentionally for those of you guys listening on, on Anchor FM. Thank you guys for, for listening in after the show. Uh, make sure you guys tune in live. But nonetheless, um, Put, the, put reproductive women rights in quotes because what they're advocating for is that you can take the life of, of the innocent, right? You can take the life of these beings um, and that somehow is a reproductive right. It doesn't really fundamentally make sense because when you think of reproductive, it's, it's growing, it's more population, it's more people. And when you think of abortion, it's actually it's less people. There's, there's certainly some some fundamental logical issues there. Um, so this entire tweet has been going viral in the pro-choice movement, and and it, it needs to be debunked and it needs to be torn apart. And uh, if you guys have a good response for that, if you guys have a better response than what I what I what I had, feel free to uh, to drop that, uh, drop it in the comments, drop it in. Um, Drop it on the Twitter. You can find us at muddy water, muddied, muddied underscore waters. You can find me at Mr. Bearded Truth on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash muddy waters media. Or sorry, muddy waters of freedom. You can find us on YouTube. Drop it in the comment section there. And of course, if you guys are on iTunes um, or listening in on Anchor FM, which is probably the best pod, or platform to, to reach us at right now. Um, Feel free to, to find us on another platform in order to drop it. But while you're there on those podcasts, make sure you give us a five-star review and uh, help help grow the movement. Help be that person to pick up the shovel and help us grow. Um, so the other big um, one that I want, to, I want to tear apart, pulling it up right now, I apologize. Um, there it is. 
All right, we got a call. One second, I'll, I'll go through that. Hey, Forgotten Man, how's it going? Hey, good. How's it going? Uh, it's going quite well. You're you're alive on the show. Thank you for calling in, man. I I'm always excited to hear your voice. So, what's going on in your world? What's what's on your mind? Well, I know you were moving on to a different subject, but I wanted to go back to the heartbeat okay. um, legislation. Yep. Okay. Um, this uh, this whole controversy. Um, well, a lot of this controversy that has to do with abortion is uh, women are fighting for their right to do what they want with their own bodies, mm-hmm. you know, or to make their own health care choices with their own bodies. Okay. And um, heartbeat, uh, uh, the heartbeat um, thing has come up before. Uh, I don't know how many times it's been legislated on, but I know that this debate with the heartbeat um, um, you know, when when the child actually has a heartbeat, has been kind of floating around for a while, and um, I, I don't understand how um, feminists can argue the point that once a second heartbeat is is beating in you know inside them, that there's not another person there. Yeah, and and, to, yeah. and with that, it's a it's. They're anti-science, so by biology standards, by um, physicians and everything else, um, basically at the point of conception, that's when life begins. I, I wish that the, those who are pro-choice would at least have an honest conversation about this and say, yeah, it's a life, but I'm okay with ending that life. At least then we can we can say, at least you're honest while being uh, atrocious with your views, but there, there, yes, there is a huge issue there, um, and, and certainly... The argument and the reason why this is being framed in this way is that everyone has a different standard as to when life begins um, because it's easy to commit or to perform an abortion if you don't think it's a life. If you think it's a clump of cells, if you if you look at it and say, look, it doesn't have sentience, it doesn't um, it doesn't have memories, it doesn't have this, that and the other. And so um, when you when you look at that. Um, even even with the argument that at the point of when a heartbeat is formed and, and is being utilized, at that very moment, that's when life begins. Um, there are people walking around on this earth right now that have a, a pacemaker that are actually perf- are helping um, ensure that they have a heartbeat. So are those people considered alive or are those people considered dead? Um, and if they're considered dead, can I just stab somebody in the chest and end and their life? And and certainly it it comes down to no you you can't and so even even this heartbeat thing um, I I disagree with it on on that notion that it's still life even before the heartbeat but I think it's it's just moving to a um, shifting the middle ground if you will which I can understand uh, right and I mean if it if it um, if it came to the point where I would have to concede that abortions could be done until the heartbeat was beating, mm-hmm. I guess I would have to concede that. I mean, there would be a lot less abortions that happen um, if we could get to that point where we're saying three months and that's, you know, th- I don't know exactly, like three and a half months or something like that before the heart starts beating. Am I, am the, I correct, heart, am I? the heartbeat yeah. starts at four to six weeks. So it's very, oh, very four early. Four to six weeks. Okay, so four to six weeks. Yep. So that's only about a month. Yep. I would say, uh, um, okay, I'll concede that female, uh, you know, that that 
that the fetus is part of the woman's body until the heart beats, and then they, they only have a month to get whatever procedure it is that they want to get done. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think there'd be a lot less abortions if it came to that. I don't think abortion is a great thing for humanity. I think it's a terrible thing for humanity. But uh, this is the reason why um, Hitler, you know, justified bringing um, Jews into concentration camps. He reduced them to being subhuman. Yes. So his followers were like, well, I mean, they're not human anyway. So, and, and that's what justifies these holocausts. Yep. And, th and this abortion thing is one of the largest holocausts that humanity has ever seen. So... Absolutely. Me, I think 100 years, I mean, we talked about this a, a week or so ago back, that I feel like in 100 years, this will be considered one of the greatest holocausts that mankind ever endeavored in. And I'm hoping that that's what happens, because, uh, I mean, in my mind, I believe that that's true. Yes, absolutely. I agree. And and it's it's going to be an argument for a long while. And, and you, you hit the nail on the head when you talk about, you know, when you dehumanize somebody, when you objectify them, when you... There's no remorse in taking the life of something that doesn't have a life in your opinion. And so it's right. been it's been the messaging has been clear from from Planned Parenthood, from the pro, pro choice movement that these are not life. These are not people. And so by that virtue, um, you're doing nothing wrong by ending them. And certainly um, as as a principled libertarian, I see that as a, a clear violation of the non-aggression principle. That child is, or that unborn child has done nothing wrong to another individual in order to warrant their termination. Um, but yeah, man, I appreciate you calling in. I always love your insight, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and wrap up uh, this call with you. And I appreciate it always. Um, you are a blessing, blessing on the line. Thank you for calling in, man. Okay, thank you, and um, I'll call in again. All right, I appreciate it. Have a Bye. great night. Thank you for coming, man. I always do appreciate your calls. Um, open up line once again, guys. If you guys want to call in, you guys got something you want to add in onto the conversation, feel free to do so. Um, we can get into the discussions of viability, the point of, of sentience, and, and all of those things. And, and certainly there's a, a wealth of, of knowledge and, and wisdom on the topic. Um, and certainly I may not be the greatest um, arbiter of that, and maybe you're a little bit better than that than me on that so feel free um don't be scared don't be hesitant call on in whether you're pro-choice or pro-life um it's always a good time <laughs> but with this with this bill the heartbeat bill like what forgot man was talking about there have been other states here in south carolina we had uh, an attempt on this to get this passed we've seen this um in ohio made the headlines last year um, there's been many a different groups that have been, uh, or different states, most are Republican-led, that want to push for the heartbeat bill because moving that line of viability, moving, um, moving from the point of viability, which is at the end of the fifth month or at the beginning of the sixth month, back to the heartbeat, seems to be gaining middle ground for the pro-life movement, and so this is this has been their incremental um, change that they've been trying to win off of. So it's been it's been a movement from them. Meanwhile, what we see from the left, from Democrats, is like in New York, um, like the attempt there in Virginia to actually move the line from point of viability to the the moment the baby comes out of of the vaginal canal or outside of the womb via C-section. And even then, if you attempted before, you can still allow them to be killed afterwards by through via neglect. 
Um, so the, it, there's been more of a divide there. And certainly I think that this is where the ownership is on us to have civilized and, and reasonable discourse amongst ourselves in order to not tear down one another, but in order to um, really poke holes in each other's logics and, and try to push for a more civilized society and certainly a society that kills its own. They're more savages than, than civilized, in my opinion. Now, this is not something that is settled science. This is not something that is settled amongst even libertarians. Um, there are pro-choice libertarians and there are pro-life libertarians. I happen to be one of the pro-life guys, and that's fine. Um, I think that we just owe ourselves a lot more conversation than what we've, what we've given ourselves in the past. And so I implore you all to reach out to have civilized discussions with those people around you and uh, try to try to see if you can change the hearts and minds of others and, and never be um, never be so confident in yourself that you're not willing to also hear the other side. It's all about making society a little bit better. Um, let's see here. Twitter feed. But yeah, so I'm I'm always interested. I've I've been having oh, I was pulling up the other the other tweet that has been making big big headlines or been making a viral within the pro choice movement. Um so this was a tweet by Carlos Chapman um at Carly S or Carlos uh C non verified user. Uh if a fetus is a person that's six weeks pregnant is that when a child support starts? Is that also when you can't deport? You cannot deport the mother because she's carrying a US, U.S. citizen. And can I insure a six-week fetus and collect if I miscarry? Just figuring if we're going here, we should go all in. Now, this tweet, when you, when you really, when you read that, it's like, yeah, why not? Sure, right? If a person is six weeks pregnant, shouldn't child support begin there? Shouldn't child support begin as soon as six weeks happens, as soon as the heartbeat begins? Hmm. Well, if you want to push for that, I, I, I think certainly when you look at the financial burden of being pregnant versus after um, the delivery, there's a there's a, a, a market change in the way that, that money is being allocated, that money is being spent. And so um, I think fundamentally there would be a difference in the way that that payment would go. Um, I, I don't necessarily oppose this idea, um, but I think that this also would be ostracizing men in a way um, that the government has been pretty effective at doing to begin with. So I don't see why they wouldn't get on board with this to in order to continue the separation between those two. Um, but on, on, on that one right there, you have to also acknowledge that a fetus then is life and then if at that point you have to have documentation and you have to also be able to prove the um not 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 the gender but prove the dna is that of the father and so you get a little more intrusive with that there's there's a lot of logistics here that simply says that this is going to be a, a, a an egregious amount of work um, but if, if you're a hurting mother, I can understand not wanting to go through this on your own. 
if you know you get pregnant and suddenly you know and you let the baby daddy know and the baby daddy takes flight if you want to use the system in that way i don't think inherently it is um it is wrong for to advocate for that i just think that it would be much more difficult than what uh than what it appears to be uh, is that also when you cannot deport the mother because she's carrying a U.S. citizen? The problem with that is that we would actually have to change up the citizen um, citizenship or change up the naturalization process. Naturalization process is a, a an afforded or uh, enumerated power delegated to Congress. So Congress would have to change up the laws on the naturalization as for a citizen. Um, the way that the citizen... Um, laws are written is it actually says born so the unborn would not fall within that category so there would have to be a bunch of of legislative change there as well in order to make that something feasible um but you're you're basically asking the government who has taken authority taken powers over immigration um which were not clearly or not even vaguely um being delegated to the federal government expecting them to go all right well we are going to take this power over immigration we're going to suddenly give a pass in this way for for some illegals i i I don't see this as being something that would be passed other than maybe if democrats come into power run the house run the the senate and run the presidency um but that may be that may be something that comes comes through and can i ensure a six-week fetus and collect if i miscarry this is the one that really just it just shows um, that people aren't thinking things through all the way. So let's think about um, what insurance companies do. Insurance companies, their end goal is to take in more money than what they give out. So if you have, if you have a, an insurance company that says, yeah, we're going to take in your fetuses, what they're going to do is by by the nature of insurance companies is have a bunch of regulations and a lot of things that within the contracts um that you have to be on x diet you have to be able to take care of yourself in this way you have to be on these uh these medicines or these uh vitamins in order to provide for the, the fetus in order to ensure um the best possibility of that fetus coming to full term, being born um, under normal processes and everything else. So there's going to be a lot of infringement if there was even a market out there to say, look, there's, there's there's enough room there for somebody to make money off of. I don't think that there's legislation out there preventing this. I just don't think that there's necessarily a market out there. It it doesn't seem like something that would be smart for any uh, entrepreneurs to do, but Amazon received a lot of criticism from entrepreneurs, from business people, from from everybody saying nobody wants your books and and look at Amazon now. So maybe I'm on maybe I'm the wrong side of the fence on this. Maybe maybe I'm I'm missing something, but I think I think looking at it um sure you can insure a 6 week old. Find somebody who's willing to do it and and it's just not there. I just really don't don't see that ever coming to fruition. So three points being made, and I think at the gut level, when you first hear them, they sound great. They sound like a good movement forward, but looking at them in the way that they, for them to be implemented, for those changes to be made, um, 
there's a lot of ground to be given up from the pro-choice side, and, and I don't see that coming in, and I don't think that this would be to the benefit of those who were passing the laws, so I don't see them also trying to push that either. Um, I, I don't see, when it comes to political wins, I don't see there being a political win for either party on this, and so I think it's going to be one of those mood issues. Um, but it, it's, it's certainly worth a discussion and, and talking about. Um, certainly I was attacked for, for disagreeing with the premise of that um, on the post because it's not a matter of just opposing things, it's about vocalizing them and being attacked and being called a racist, a sexist, etc, etc because that's how you went in 2019 but with that guys um, I'm sorry it's going to be a little bit of a shorter show I think we're right at an hour, so not too short um, but with that guys, I'm going to wrap up I'm going to head out for the weekend. I'll see you guys Monday night. Uh, make sure you guys are, are subscribed and following us on, on Facebook, on YouTube, Twitter, on SoundCloud, Anchor FM, iTunes, and wherever you're finding us. Wherever you're finding us. If they've got a review, drop a five-star review for us. Get us shared out. Get us get us some support and get us some, some help. Um, we here at Muddy Waters Media would love that and, and appreciate it. You can also find out that... Um, if you follow us on Twitter, we just got some of our shirt line released. So you can go on to Amazon. You can find some of our shirts. We will be releasing a shirt for every one of the shows. So we're going to have one for uh, Mr. Murka, the Beard of Truth, myself from Mondays and Fridays. We'll have one for Writer's Block, for Muddy Waters uh, Freedom, and, of course, for My Fellow Americans with Spike. Um, so a lot of big ch- changes coming up. Help throw your support behind us. We appreciate it, each and every one of you. Uh, for coming in, for for listening for five minutes, getting disgusted with us and leaving, or whatever it is that you've done in order to impact us in some way, we appreciate it. So with that, guys, do not drink a drive or ride with those who do. You have family and friends who care about you and love you deeply. They want you guys to get back safe here for Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, with me, Mr. America, the Beard of Truth, Jason Lyon. We guys have a great weekend. Hope it's safe. And I will see you guys Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern.